afternoon, or good evening, as I should say. Welcome to the Fish Cast. My name is Corey Long. How do you do? Here with the man, as always, Charles Fishbine. How you doing, Fish? Doing fine, man. Excellent. What an, uh, I mean, we're already in the month of May. We're, we're that much closer to the last week of August. We, you know, we, we, we've, we've been keeping ourselves busy by watching lots of USFL football and draft and you coaching baseball and me covering hockey and all kinds of stuff. We got all kinds of stuff, you know, we got a Canelo fight this weekend. There's stuff to keep us, there's periods of time, the Kentucky Derby, there's periods of time during the non-football season, you know, the NBA playoffs. Well, you know, we have stuff. We have stuff that we can watch. So we're, we're kind of happy we're in one of those periods where there's a lot of stuff we can watch. So. No doubt. It never ends. Never. Did you watch the uh, draft? Did you, watch the, did you watch the draft? Yes, I did. I watched the draft. I got to watch uh, part of it on Thursday and some of it on Friday a little on Saturday, so. What'd you uh, What'd you think? Um, you know, your Jets did very well. You know, uh, I I still don't understand the let's not draft an offensive lineman. I know they have you know a couple guys that uh, they they have faith in, but I just this day and age, you put all this investment in these quarterbacks, and then you don't go and uh, get linemen for them. You see what happened with Burrow last year. He just got beat to shreds. And yeah, they made it to the Super Bowl, but it would have been nice if he had some people up there blocking for him. And um, I think the Jets, I think I saw they had 44 sacks last year. Um, I know they got, you know, three of the best players in the draft in the first round, but I also like the running back they got from uh, Iowa State. I mean, they did a great job. You can't argue it, but they do need to protect uh, their quarterback, he's an investment. I think he still has a bright career ahead of him. But you got to put guys in front of him to block. I mean, you know, these guys well, are only I as good as they, the blockers in front of him. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure. I thought they would take. I thought they were kind of looking at Evan Neal and Icky. Uh, what's his? How you pronounce Uh I thought they were looking at both of them, and I think they were. But uh, you know, they had they, they drafted Makai Beckton a couple of years ago. He was. Good as a rookie, he got injured as you know uh, last year. Took too long to recover. Really, kind of got the ire of the of the organization because it just took him so long to recover. And because he's out of shape, you know, he's a big dude, and he just I just don't think they liked the conditioning that he was in. So I I don't my guess is they they were kind of I think if they'd have found a right trade partner, they might have traded him and gotten him. In, drafted Evan Neal, but they weren't, you know, they weren't going to aggressively go after that sort of trade. I think they still believe in him. They just want him to get in better shape. And, I mean, they got Ali, uh, Ali Vera Tucker last year, and he was, a, he was like a PFF all-rookie guy. So, they've got – and they spent a lot of money on Lake, Lake and Tomlinson and free agency from the 49ers. So, they did – have blockers. They just, you know, I know what you're saying. I'm always in for the next young tackle, though. You can never, you know, those guys getting them on those contracts is always a good thing. Um, that's why I'm never like a big like, hey, the quarterback doesn't work. Draft another one. He doesn't work. Draft another one after him. You can draft a quarterback every year. Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't think you could go wrong with offensive linemen. You look, most of them are not busts, especially tackles. You can worst case scenario, you don't want it to happen, but. You could always slide a guy to the right side or move him inside. There's very few of those guys that just end up like the guy that got drafted by Tennessee and then the Dolphins took him. He was like out of the league after two years. It, it's not often you see that. Yeah, but that, and that kid was like super young too. You know, he was like 19 or 20. So, you know, it just doesn't, you know, that's different. Uh, well, you know, and it's weird because like you said, you know, why would even – like someone, I was talking to somebody about different linemen, and they were going through. And they said Cam Irving was a bust, and I looked it up, and I was like, "The guy started like he's one. He's still in the league. Two, he's going to start somewhere this year." I'm like, he was one of the 32 starting left tackles last year. He started like 60 percent of his games, and he started at three different positions in this league: left tackle, left guard, and like center. I'm like. I was on a bust. 
How do you don't spend seven years in the league, the majority of them starting if you're a bust? Like, people don't grasp how hard the NFL is. <laughs> like, it's not like you can just, you know, I mean, no, he's never going to be Jonathan Ogden, you know? I just, be, I just you know, think, the, I think the word bust is used too much. It, it's oh, like, yeah. you know, if a guy produces at some point and he's drafted, you know, Cam Irving was, a, I think, like a middle of the road first round pick. I mean, he's been in the league for a while. He started. He's he, he still produces if if needed. I, I just I don't see that as a bust. A bust is a guy like Isaiah Wilson, um, who got drafted in the first round, a high draft pick, and is out of the league three years later and nobody wants he I mean nobody's even given this guy another chance. You know, so that's to me that's a bust. Uh, someone that doesn't play at all and um, every opportunity he's had just it it's just been a disaster. So, I uh, well, uh, you know, your Cowboys picked that offensive line. I'm gonna pick Tyler, Tyler, get out of Tulsa, right? Tyler Smith, yeah. They drafted um, the offensive lineman out of Tulsa. It, it's just, I don't know, it's time for Jerry to hand you know, hand over the keys already and let somebody else run. He the has handed over the key. Yeah, really. his son does. yeah, his son. That, his son's I, lot, I mean, his son's a lot better than he is. Yeah, you know, but, you know what I mean? It, it's, I not, it's not. It ain't gonna go to somebody from the outside. You know that. It's his just, team. I, I should just stop cheering for the Cowboys. They're ne- they will never win as long as that family's running it. It, it just it's a. I don't know. They'll I thought more. they. Were, I thought they would end up taking Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. Well, they. You know. It, but Jerry never does that. You know, it's it goes all the way back to, you know, when Michael Irvin was leaving, you know, was at that tail end of his career and, you know, Randy Moss was sitting there and he had a great shot at Randy Moss and he decided to take Greg Ellis. And then you go and you look at even the, you know, with Ezekiel Elliott, and he had some good years, but he had a shot at um, drafting Jalen Ramsey and bypassed Jalen Ramsey. And then, He's had chances at great players. I mean, you're talking Hall of Fame type players, and he's bypassed them for these guys. He's always trying to be the smartest guy in the room. He he, he thinks he's the reason why the Cowboys won the Super Bowl those years, and it was more uh, Jimmy Johnson. And it just it gets old. It's it's been twenty something years, I think, since they made an NFC Championship game. It's over. These guys, it, it's not going to happen. You know, they draft a guy. From Tulsa, you watched him. I mean, the kid looked like he had lead feet. I, I just, I don't know. It, I don't get it. You know, I'm, a, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering with the Cowboys. I'm like, all right, they're gonna put Dak on the Dak, 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 Dak on the market after next year. Like they're gonna, like that's gonna be the next big trade. Like they're gonna try to trade him while he still has value, and while someone will give up some picks for. Him, Who do you think. think they'll trade? Dak. Yeah, I mean, they should never give him a cut. Listen. I was never a fan of giving this guy fifty million anyway a year. I, I just don't get it. Like win a playoff game at least, year or two. You know, um, I don't know. I would have rather seen them um, let him go and and kind of rebuild. There was a lot of good quarterbacks last year in the draft. I, I mean, I don't know. I just I don't see it with Dak. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, the you know it's a it's in kind of a weird you're in a weird spot with a quarterback like that because I think that there's a you know not every quarterback's going to be great now, you know you're not going to every quarterback every quarterback's just not going to be great and sometimes you have a quarterback like that that's definitely better than the league average like like if they like if you ranked one through thirty two he's probably fringe top ten. Someone might have him like as high as like nine or eight. Someone have him as low as like thirteen. But he's in that area, and that's a that's a tough area to be in because you need a lot of things that go right for you to advance to a championship level. But he's still far better than like he's still a top third of the league quarterback basically, and to give him up for a rookie like if you if you end up taking like the wrong guy like Josh Rosen or somebody, you basically take, you know, you basically set your your organization back another three years. Like, 
Yeah, but when Dak when Dak broke his ankle, they should have just freaking tanked at that point. Like that season was over. They, you know, then they start to try to win some games, and they end up like around five hundred. And it, it just Dallas has just never just gotten that thing and stripped it back down and try to rebuild it from scratch. And you know, they they're just an average franchise. I, mean, I think that's I think but I think that's the problem when you. I mean, for they hit on the Dak. Dak was what a fourth round pick. Nah, like I they mean, super duper hit on. Like yeah, yeah, he's not a bust. I'm not gonna sit here and say if you get a quarterback that we can both agree is like top third in the league, a fourth round. That's a crazy draft. Jerry had all the leverage. Dak wasn't going anywhere. He wanted to play for the Cowboys, and then to give him a max, max, max deal. Like there was no reason for them to overpay for Dak. Like they could have given him in that 38 to 40 million dollar range, save some money. Given him maybe um, some uh, incentives that if they won a freaking playoff game, you could give them some money there. But to, I just, they're, they basically, you know, bowed down to this guy and now they're stuck with him. He's, a, he's, they're not going to win anything. I, I just, I, I'm tired of arguing with people about it. I've watched Dak for a long time. He is what he is. He, he'll yeah, win I mean, you, he'll win you that eight, a, nine, ten a, games, but. He's not yeah, a he's great not a quarterback. To him. I mean, he's, he's basically not a great a quarterback. Than Alex he's a good Smith. quarterback. Yeah. And I mean, you need a lot of things. You need not. You need, you need other things to go right for him to win a championship. You just do. And yeah. if those things don't go right, it's not going to happen. I mean, those quarterbacks have won titles. I mean, they're not. I'd have to go back and think. Like, I mean, like you know, the the version of Peyton Manning that we saw. In his final game, like they need a lot of things to go right to win a title because he can only give you, but so much. He barely had an arm, so they needed a great defense, which they had. Like the Rams, for example, like Matt Stafford, we we probably think of him as a notch or two better than Dak, but not much. Like they're pretty close, but yeah, but you know, I mean, first got, off, first they off, built the Rams have defense a, around them. Yeah, first off, the Rams have a great coach, which the Cowboys don't have. No, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, the sure. Cowboys coaching staffs have been a disaster for 20, 30 years. It's just like, that's oh, the thing. Is McCarthy still the Cowboys? Yeah, he's still the head coach. How, okay. I, I don't know, but he's still the head coach. <laughs> he's been there for like one year. That's one year too much, man. He's terrible. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't, like, honestly, he's just not good. And, and they're just they're that franchise that they everybody talks about them, but they don't they don't do anything. It, it's it's embarrassing. I have a friend that's a Cowboy fan, and he doesn't even take my calls anymore. It's like I think he's given up. <laughs> oh, it's, just, it's, it's so hard. It, it's they've you know they built that team. They spent so much money on Zeke. They spent so much money on Amari Cooper. Amari's not there anymore. Zeke's basically a shell of himself. They're off. It's they're constantly building that team. You know, it's like oh, the defense isn't good. It's like every year they're drafting high guys in the first and second round for their defense, and it's never good. It's never like great. It, it just you know, I don't know. It's every year they're drafting guys, and their their problems are never fixed. It's like a constant problem every year. I don't know. Just, I really don't even like talking about the Cowboys. I'm about to pick a new team to cheer for. Let's go Jets. Oh, Let's. I'll oh, just pick the Jets. You know I'm please, a Zach you don't. You don't, you don't want. You don't, hey, you, don't want to, you don't want this life. You don't want this Jets life. Believe oh, me. My God. It's a lot of winning in April. A lot of losing in November. That's what I have to say. Yeah, I, I think they. But they like. I think I like what they have. I like what they have right now. Yeah. They have to commit. Like, he's not a bad owner. Woody Johnson's a terrible owner. Like, he's awful. I mean, Jerry gets a lot of attention. Like, a lot of bad, Like, Jerry's one of those owners that he meddles a little too much. Like, I don't think he's a bad owner. He just meddles more than you want him to. Woody Johnson's a bad owner because he can't commit to anything. Like, every – like, he, he, he goes on the whim of, like, what – if the New York media criticizes anything he might do is, like, God, I should do that. I don't want this negative press. I'm thinking, like, you're the you're the Jets owner. You're gonna get negative press no matter what you do. Like the last time they didn't get negative press is when they brought in Bill Parcells, and that was 
God, that was 25 years ago. So you deal with what you deal with. But I like what they have right now, like their draft. And, um, you know, the one thing I had wanted, and I, I like Ahmad Gardner, long kid, rangy kid, very competitive. There's a lot to like about him. But, man, when Houston took Stingley, I was like, ugh. I wanted that choice because I think Derek Stingley's just like, like I mean, you, you, he walked into LSU as an eighteen-year-old, and he was like bodying up Jamar Chase. Yeah, I, it it seemed like a lot of uh, scouts soured on him because he had They're that, idiots. Yeah, that he it's, listen, he had <laughs> a great idiots. he had a great freshman season, and then you know he didn't do. But I, a lot of that, the whole program seemed to kind of go downhill. You know, like I know, you walk into a situation at 18 years old, you're bodying up Jamar Chase in practice. Every, you know who bodies up Jamar Chase? No one. Yeah. This guy was bodying up Jamar Chase in practice. You win a title. You're the best defensive player on the team as an 18 year old when they win a title. You get bored. Uh, yeah. Like he, Listen, like if you didn't I don't I, – I mean, there was a lot worse draft picks. I mean, like the Patriots drafted like a fifth rounder in the first round. So it's No, just, I don't think the Jets made a bad draft pick. Yeah. I just wanted to have the choice between Stingley and Dart. Yeah. So I think Stingley is – I think Stingley is just – like I always thought he was the best player coming out. Like he's just one of those guys that – like once he worked out in his pro day and you saw that he was healthy, he's like, oh, okay, that's, that's the dude there. Yeah. But I like Gardner. I like I mean like like you know Cincinnati had eight dudes taken in the NFL, like eight. Yeah. <laughs> like more than Alabama. Then, Alabama well, had wait seven. A second. The three Florida schools combined did not have eight. So the I three mean, Florida schools combined had five. Yeah. At yeah. UCF they had six. Listen, there's a reason why they were in the playoffs, Cincinnati. And and you know, everybody complained about them being there, but they, they held their own. I mean, yeah, offensively yeah. they weren't great, but you could see through the draft that, you know, this is a team that honestly, now that they're moving to the big 12, they're going to be able to compete. Um, like they kind of shut down. I don't say shut them down, but they kind of shut down Alabama. You know, they kind of they kept them at bay. If they had the, 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 the weapons on offense, that'd have been a close game because the defense held their own. They held their defense. Yeah. I mean, you know how hard it is against, a team that has firepower that if you have to sit there and try to hold them all down, game, it's gonna happen. Yeah, something you're not gonna hold a team like that down all game. And if your defense just gets one or two breaks from the offense, you know that type of defense. You know, it's a it's more of a old school Florida State type defense where they relied on their speed and their quickness, and they they were undersized. They're not there to take twelve rounds of body blows like they needed some time in the corner to take a breath. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't give them that on the offensive side, eventually you're going to lose them. And I mean, yeah. they, they made the game very competitive. People talk that they shouldn't have been there, and they proved That's themselves. They, they earned it. Really. Yeah, and the draft yeah. the draft proved it. I mean, listen, yeah. Fickle is a very good coach. He did a great job recruiting there. Um, you know, and, and listen, you know, everybody said, why didn't he move on? And now his program's going to the Big 12. He doesn't have to go anywhere. There's no pressure on him. Like, I just think that sometimes you have to stay in your lane and understand what type of program you're at. I mean, he was at Ohio State, and he got fired from there. And I'm sure, you know, he wants to prove himself again at probably one of those top programs. But I think he also understands it's like you can make a lot of money at Cincinnati, have a comfortable life. You can make the playoffs, especially now that they're in the Big 12. Does he really need that aggravation and pressure of playing at a bigger program where their expectations every year is winning like 11 games is the floor at a, at Ohio state. You got to win 11. Uh, I mean, trust me, let, let Ryan day go nine and three one year and see what happens. You know what I mean? It's let just, the torches, the TE torches come out. Oh yeah. Man. You, you just well, at Cincinnati, he can have a six and six or seven and five season now and, People are going to be like, well, you know, he took us to the playoffs. He 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 has four or five year, uh, basically three four year honeymoon now, just to you know regroup and get his program back there over the next few years. Well, you know, he's an Ohio guy. He went to Ohio State. He played ball there. 
Uh, so the idea to be able to take a program in your own state, kind of lead them to growth into the Power Five, and build it in the image that you want. Like, the one thing that I love about the way Luke Fickle recruits is that he he is basically all about, you know, he's kind of like, and it's kind of what our buddy Coach Demo is about, is like, when I look at Ahmad Gardner, I know that that kid was probably a quarterback in high school. I don't know this for sure, but I think he – but looking at his looking at his twitchiness and his size and everything, I'm like, he probably was. And that, that's been like Fickle's thing. Like, take long, good-looking athletes. Don't even worry about what position they're playing. Running back, quarterback, whatever. Just give me the athletic kids with length, and I'll get them on campus. I'll get them in the program. We'll figure out where to put them. Like, you know, you give me some six foot two Wildcat quarterbacks and some six foot one, 215 pound running backs. Maybe, maybe the running back will end up being a linebacker. The yeah, quarterback he, he might was... be my deep safety or corner or wide receiver no. you know, or anything. Now, Corey, I, I never saw the kid in high school, so I can't tell. But he, the, the kid, I'm looking at it right now on 247 Sports. The kid was a wide receiver coming out of Martin Luther King High School in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, you know, being from Detroit, the kid's a tough kid. But he's a tough as nail. Now, <laughs> this kid was rated 41st in the state of Michigan the year he came. I like, I want to know who the other 40 kids were. Find me the other 40 better players than him. Yeah. I mean, he was rated <laughs> 1,672 nationally. Like, I mean, did this kid like not go to one combine or can't like? <laughs> I, I mean, I like Michigan produces probably fifteen Division One twenty, maybe thirty. And they kids. all come from Detroit. Yeah, they all and this kid's forty one ranked in the country. I've never been to Martin Luther King High School in Detroit, but I guarantee it's in the hood. Yeah, well, I feel like, safe in saying that it's in the hood, right? Hey, listen, I've been to Detroit, man. I went to a diner in downtown Detroit and. <laughs> Honestly, man. And that's also in the hood. And it was in downtown. It was in the straight hood. There is no. I fit right in, though, man. I'm going to tell you, I fit right in. But But it was like, I mean, six. Like like this kid's 6'3, 188. I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he didn't leave high school 5'11. Like this kid didn't have a three. (laughs) Dude, 41st rated player in Michigan. I'm going to have to call our boy George Yarbury up. And ask yeah. him like where he had this kid ranked because the kid was a three star, like. But you know what, Fickle saw kind of like what Jimbo did when he was at Florida State um, with Xavier Rhodes, a kid that played wide receiver. And, you know, the skill set's there, but you know, all right, he doesn't have the twitchiness to play wide receiver. He's not going to go and outrun everybody. And you look at it, you're like, all right, I could have a six two six three corner kind of like Xavier Rhodes gives you some length on the outside gives you that bigger corner that could play against other teams and you know that's Fickle knows what he wants like we've talked about this before he's been at Ohio State he played at Ohio State he knows what a power five big time division one football player should look like and maybe this kid came out of high school and he saw he saw all these traits and you know you go look at um, you know the offers he had I mean he he didn't have great offers, but, you know, he did have some, you know, Iowa State, Kentucky, Syracuse um, had all offered him, um, Indiana, Colorado State. I mean, he had some nice offers, but Fickle landed a kid um, that he liked, you know, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens, um, you know, with Fickle. I think he's going to continue to recruit kids at a high level just because I think he knows what he's looking at. Yeah. He knows, he knows how to evaluate, and by going into the Big 12, he's going to have a little deeper of a pool to evaluate from and pick a little better. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's going to be – it's just – but, yeah, you look at a kid like that, he's like – you know, and you, you wonder – like you said, he must not have went anywhere because just seeing that sort of length, that's going to – that should attract Big, big Ten to like our buddy P.J. Fleck. I bet you didn't see him because we saw him. Well, I, I, I mean, PJ, well, PJ did all – when you look at the kid, he was offered um, okay. by Western Michigan. So you got to figure yeah, – So PJ knew who he PJ, was. PJ yeah. knew who he was. It's just, yeah. you know, by the time – I mean, listen, this kid 
you, you see this all the time. There's a lot of good, very good football players in the state of Ohio. I mean, one thing Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky is tapped into that. Um, he knows how, how good that state is. I mean, it's very deep. There's a lot of athletes. It's got size. You got a little bit of everything. And the state produces at a high level. And, you know, Cincinnati's a cool little city. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been there. But, yeah, I mean, you're, it's literally like right across the river or yeah. whatever, you know, uh, uh, from Kentucky. Like, you, you literally drive a – you take the wrong exit here in Kentucky. Uh, and it's a cool city. I mean, I like city schools. And, I, you know, I thought when I went to Cincinnati, it's right in the city. Um, it's a fun place for, you know, kids to go. There's pro teams. It, it has that pro uh, feel to it. But also Cincinnati – um, they've done it. Like I said, Fickle and the coaches that have been through there before he got there um, have done a very good job of that program. They, they, we've talked about it. Cincinnati, Houston, Memphis, UCF. These are programs that can win at a very high level um, because the the talent that they can pull from. And I mean, Cincinnati can pull from and compete with pretty much anybody in the country outside of you know maybe the top 10 or 15 schools i mean like if cincinnati and i'm not trying to knock them like they're good program and everything but if cincinnati and michigan state are going head to head cincinnati could battle and beat a michigan state for a kid in yeah. that area so it's and, they're, not, and they're getting that reputation of being a program for tough kids and i don't mean tough like rough background i mean like physically tough kids that don't give an inch that like to grind, you know, little grittier kids that have that play the game with some grit and some sandpaper. And, like, once you get that reputation, that's a great rep to have because in that area, you're getting kids from Cleveland, Cincinnati, some kids from Columbus, Detroit, they, that, that are like, you know what, I can play ball at Cincy because they're aggressive, they play tough, they, you know, we, they hit people, you know, like, you get that reputation, that's a fun rep to have, especially in the Midwest. Yeah, there's no question. I, I, he'll continue to have success there. Um, and, and you look, he, he recruit. I mean, I'm looking at their uh, recruiting class from, you know, let, you even look at some of the recruiting classes they've had. He's recruiting guys that, you know, last year he landed Mario Eugenio uh, out of uh, Tampa Bay yeah, yeah. I really felt like he was a kid that Florida State could have gone after, you know, um, you know, he, he's a kid that you could play him in a 3-4 outside rush in. You could put him with his hand on the ground. These are the guys at Florida State, Miami. Florida made a name for them for a very long time. 230-pound kid. You bulk him up to 250, 260. He gives you that speed rusher off the edge. The only question is when you're recruiting that guy, can he drop back into coverage? If not, he just becomes a bigger, you know, a, a more athletic speed rusher that gives you that ability to get after the quarterback. Um, I thought last year one of the, another kid that you know uh, the Florida schools missed on, and they went they landed was Marcus Peterson out of Lake City, Columbia. Um, big kid, he's a, more of like a, a big receiver or an H back. But these are these guys go there and, and you see them produce at a high level. Listen, I mean, we talk about the Armwood curse and people talk about it, but they had a running back that was from, Ford, you know, yeah, Ford was from Armwood and, and, and yeah. you know, it, sometimes too, we, we, we've talked about this. Sometimes like kids like that are better off going to a school where there's no pressure, you know, and there's not that pressure of playing at an Alabama or a Florida state or a Florida. You, you go to Cincinnati, this kid's better than the players they have. And he yeah. went there and he produced at a high level and he got drafted. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of schools wish they had taken a flyer on him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting when you look at those additions of the Big 12 because you get UCF, program that both of us are high on, a BYU, program that both of us are high on that we watch. We, I don't think anyone's watched more BYU games in Florida than you and I have. We watched I, them I, religiously I, for like listen, three years. It's because, you know what, you respect old-school style football. And – yeah. They spread the ball, but they run power concepts. They come after you. It's not they're not run blocking going backwards. You know, um, they get after you, they attack you up front. They're very physical. Uh, they've got grown men, of course, because a lot of those kids go on missions for two years and they come back and they have a lot of 24 and 23, 24, 25 year old men on their football team. But I, I enjoy watching their style of football. It's you, you talked about it. And their coach is very aggressive. Like that guy does not 
put his foot on the gas on the brakes at all. Like he's going full bore. I mean, I've I've watched them. They could be up by thirty. He's still trying to score. He's going to put his field goal unit out there to get the extra points, and he tries to run the score up on people. And they're fun to watch. I mean, they've been like that though since I was a kid. I you know you go all the way back to '91 and they had Ty Detmer and they oh, the University of Miami. Sure that's a program that's fun to watch because they get really good football players, but I don't think they're the program that you really ever want to play. If you're smart, you no. just like, Hell, you don't want USF to play. has to play BYU to open the season this year. Like that's a hurtful, that's a game's going to hurt you really bad. Like, I mean, you have a bunch like of 25 year old men just pushing you around. Listen, it's like fighting Julio Chavez, you know, in his prime, yeah. you know, you're getting body blowed for freaking. 12 rounds. You may not get knocked out, but you're going to be peeing blood. You know, I mean, it's just that's how BYU plays football. Yeah. My favorite thing that BYU has done these last couple of years, even though they didn't win, we'll take that game in Coastal last year during COVID. Like, I think like, that was the kind of like they wanted, they had a, they literally had to put their, they put their like their equipment truck on the road from Provo all the way out to where it's Myrtle Beach. Like, that's, that's a long haul. It's not like a short run. That's 3,000 miles. And it's and a major like, culture change. Cultural yeah, change. From like, Provo, Utah to like. And during that whole week, they weren't even sure if that game was going to happen. They're like, maybe we'll play. Maybe we won't. We want our stuff to be there in case they do. And they did. They didn't win. But it was also like, I like, I respect the guys that, you know, that they went out there and they said, hell with it. Let's play. Let's, let's, let's. Let's give them battle. We're undefeated. They're undefeated. Well, I mean, they, the, the problem was they didn't have a shot at making the playoffs, which I told you at the time I felt like they deserved they to be in that playoff uh, yeah, discussion. They were, trust me, you give them three weeks to prepare the team that they had, you do not want to play them. I don't care no. who you are. They are going no. to make you look – they're going to muck it up and make you look – it's going to be ugly football for your team. And yeah, the, following yeah, week, the following week, they're going to take that juice out of you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they kind of have like that, that that like that that like 1989, 1990s Detroit Pistons feel about them. Like, oh yeah. Oh god, maybe we can beat them, but do we really want to play these? These guys are gonna we have Rick Horn elbowing us in the chin all game and stuff. So, I don't want to deal with that. No doubt. Um, so you add them, and you add Houston, and it's it's an interesting mix. Now I don't want to say the Big Twelve. Is adding, but is adding it is because I mean they lose Oklahoma, who's a perennial powerhouse, and they lose Texas, who no one drives the money more than Texas does. But if you were thinking about a conference and what they lost, they did about as good a job as they could have done replacing that. Because you get you get a playoff team in Cincinnati that was back to back undefeated, just had eight guys drafted. UCF's had some undefeated seasons. BYU came close to undefeated a couple times. You're like a can-win team now. And Houston, uh, Houston, you know, Houston has so much potential. Like, yeah, we, mean, saw when, uh, we saw when we saw when Tom Herman was there, what Houston, yeah. potential of Houston. I mean, even with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, outside of Kansas, they don't have a bad program in their, in their, no. in their conference. Like, everyone from Baylor – um, to Iowa State, to Kansas State, to Oklahoma State, to TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia. These schools have all had recent success, and yeah. they're good programs. Like I said, other than Kansas, Kansas is probably happy because maybe they could, you know, finally get to 500, and that coach will, you know, parlay that into a better job. But it, it just it's there. You don't have like three or four teams that are just dreadful in that conference. Yeah, that, you know, they're they don't have the, um, you know, those premier teams, but they've got teams that they've got three or four teams that can make the top 10 or top 15 year in and year out and be in the discussion for the playoffs, even with the loss of Texas and Oklahoma. We've seen, yeah. you, know, you know, I have a ton of respect for um, uh, Mike Gundy. Um, you know, I, I would love to, you want to talk about something I want to get on a podcast. Um, you know, I, I've got to talk to, our defensive coordinator coach there and, and try to get Mike on because I, I think it'd be great to discuss like Oklahoma state has history. You know, if you're a college football fan, like you and I are, and, and you talk about the Barry Sanders and you go back to the Hartley Dykes and you go back to, um, 
I mean, you know, Jimmy Johnson never won to the level that this coach Gundy has won at. I mean, he he left Oklahoma State because he couldn't beat Oklahoma. And he's like, the only way I'm ever going to beat Oklahoma is I got to go to Miami. And he went to Miami and he kicked Oklahoma's butt. Uh, but it's a program that he's – I think he's had – four or five 12-win or 11-win seasons at a program that really doesn't have a ton of football history. Uh, And I I just – he's a very good coach. And then you look at TCU now, they've had a lot of success, um, you know, in the past 20 years. Yeah. Uh, They had a couple of amazing teams under Gary Patterson. Yeah. Yeah. Patterson was a great – They undefeated, if I'm not mistaken, right? And you know what? West Virginia's had their moments where they, you know – been very good and, and we love what Dave Aranda's done at Baylor. I mean Baylor yeah, is probably dude. the closest team in the Big Twelve to an SEC style team. You know, he yeah. coached the SEC. They're very big and physical. The one thing last year watching Baylor was just how physical they were. I mean they just they beat teams up, you know, and, and they beat you up front and they ran that ball and they played unbelievable defense. And they weren't your typical Big 12 team. They showed you that you can play defense in that conference. Um, and I, I think they're going to continue to have success. They got the money. Um, they're in a state that, uh, you know, it's crazy. We're talking about Baylor. I remember 20, 30 years ago how bad they were. I mean, they were Kansas bad. But that's a program yeah, that, awful. you know, they've got a lot of money. Um, and, yeah. you know, the town's famous now because of a TV show that my wife watches and everything. But, um, that conference is, I, I think they'll be fine. I, I really do. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I you know, yeah, they're not the big 10 and they're not the sec, but I, I think they can compete with the ACC and they can compete with the Pac 12. I don't see why not, you know, those yeah. conferences aren't just running away from them. So I think they're in good shape. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I think they, I look at them and I said, I thought they did a good job of getting, they got four teams that have ultimate, Plenty of time in the top 25 over the past, you know, decade, and are all, you know, are all kind of appealing enough schools for recruits. Have all had certain levels of appeal to them. Um, you know, continuing on. So we get the there's a, the the word today. The Big Ten are in a, their negotiation process. They want a billion dollar TV deal. It's Certainly possible. They've got, you know, there's, you know, Fox is out there. That Fox is the majority, and they're fifty-one percent shareholder in the Big Ten network itself. But they all, and that includes like their streaming, and they, so they pay. They, they have a streaming right. They have their TV rights with a <coughs> a package of their TV rights, and they get Ohio State, Michigan, which is the most valuable regular season game in college sports, all the college sports. Um, and they're also saying, you know, they're like, you know, NBC is interested. CBS, who the, it was, you know, is interested for at least a second tier of games because the SEC was a little too pricey for them. Uh, Turner, ESPN, Amazon, Apple TV, like they've got like eight or nine suitors. And they're, they're they're thinking that they can split this thing up into four tiers, have two networks, one cable channel, and simulcast their network games with the streaming partner like Amazon or Apple. Like, how? Like, and the SEC, the product, SEC product kind of sells itself. So that's how they got their big deal. And the Big Ten, if it, like, how do these other, how do the Act 12 and the ACC get it so wrong? Like with the like, how do they basically? How did the ACC sign a lifetime contract? The ESPN and just hit it. Just terrible leadership. Um, I I said at the time when Florida State got into it with the whole um, grant of rights. I, I really think Florida State and about four or five other schools should have said no. They they should have the leadership at those programs should have stopped what was happening and said, listen, you're you're basically giving away any leverage we have and and this is a conference that has two programs that have won and played for national championships in clemson and florida state so you could sit there and say how great the sec is but this conference has what 
uh, I mean, Florida State won one, and Clemson, I think, won two. You've got three national championship teams. Oh, that's and, 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 and yeah. yeah, and you're not even talking basketball where Virginia, North Carolina, do the, these programs have all had success in basketball. They had the leverage, and they basically just handed it over and said, you know what, give us whatever you can. It, it just it, – it was bad. I, I just – everybody that was involved in that should be fired and never have a job again. It is uh, – and, and, you know, it, it, it looks even worse because Jim Delaney, the head of the Big Ten, in 2017 he signs a six-year deal. But for the mayor, he says that, I want to see how the TV landscape looks six, five years from now. Like, I assume that someone else is going to want our product five years. So let me not sign my life away. You know? Well, like a 30 year deal was, was worth it in the ACC. I mean, like let's, let's take the least amount of money of any conference and the longest term. And we're going to take the longest terms. I, I mean, like what, not, not one, not one lawyer stood up and said, man, this is a crappy deal. What the heck are you guys thinking? You know? And that's why that's why these programs, you know, have slipped uh, the last yeah, couple and of years. And that's and why they're, they're, that's why they're crying for money. Yeah, yeah, crying for money. Yeah. Uh, it's a, and I thought, I mean, I don't, like, you got to get out of grant of rights, and Maryland is paying. They're paying the conference, ACC, quite a bit. To, then they left, then they pay like 60%. Left to go to the Big Ten, but the idea was that you pay a little up front, but you're going to get long term. It's a much better play. And you're, once this new Big Ten deal comes down, they're going to realize that oh yeah, long term this was a much greater play. When, when you when you see what Maryland gave up and what they're getting, it's please, oh, they, yeah. they gave up nothing. Yeah, yeah, they gave up. They're paying sixty percent of a bad TV deal and getting one that's going to be like. Eight times the value. It's it's crazy. Yeah, they got to um, pay thirty one million dollars. All right, that's they're basically they're yeah. probably in one year of being in the Big Ten. Pretty soon, they're going to be making seventy million dollars. So, yeah. like one year, basically doubled what they lost. And yeah. I, I just come on, you know that those were people that understood. Yeah, it was it. You rip the band aid off, and it's going to hurt right away. But the the long-term effect is you're going to end up a lot richer for it. Yeah, throw some mercuricomb on that, you're good. Yep. That's why, like, I'm curious about the Big 12. Now, the Big 12, their deal, I think, pops up, I think, after the 2024 season, after the 2020. So, they, you know, they they know they're losing Texas and Oklahoma after the deal. Because I think Texas and Oklahoma was earmarked for 2025 in the SEC or something like that. So they're earmarked for that. I'm wondering if they try to raid the ACC. I'm wondering if they're looking at, you know, can we get FSU, Miami, Clemson, Georgia Tech in there, you know, and get some, you know, get a few more marquee games because we got to have a little bit more to give the TV people. Because, like, if some of these schools are waiting to join the Big Ten, I tell you right now it's not happening. For one thing, they're not all – like, FSU's not even an AAU academic school, so they can't even join the Big Ten. But if the yeah. Big Ten were going to raid into the ACC, they're going to Boston College. They're going to Syracuse because they know how great that footprint is for them. Like I just don't understand how we talked about it, what, how they didn't go after the ACC, didn't go after Texas and Oklahoma the well, last I, I don't, Yeah. Like, like right after yeah. all this – all the moves were made like that should have been priority number one. We we got to get Texas, we got to get Oklahoma, uh, and Notre Dame. Like if, if you add Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Texas to the ACC, I, I, I could argue you're competing with the SEC. I, I really, I, I people could say, "Oh, you're crazy." That's you're making a big difference with those three teams. I mean, yeah, you're making. First of all, you're bringing in. Texas, which is a money school, they got their own network, so that gives you that gives you that basically gives you another network partner you don't have to pay for. And you know, Oklahoma, which is a perennial champ. I mean, you start thinking about all the games you, you can read, you can put Oklahoma and Miami in the same division, rekindle that fun rivalry forever. You know, like there's so much stuff you can do. 
So I, I don't understand why the ACC weren't more aggressive. I understand. I understand why the SEC were because the SEC always is. They're always thinking two or three steps ahead. Yeah. And we'll see what the Big Ten gets in terms of, you know, in terms of a deal. Uh, what else is going on with you? How's the baseball team? How's, how's the baseball team going? Well, they, they're um, in the second round of the playoffs. They won their first game. I, I'm walking wounded. I took a shot to the chest. Um, one of the kids was throwing a ball into the dugout, and uh, I caught one right in the center of my chest. Uh, the other day I went down. I'm not going to lie. That thing was not fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, the team's doing good. I, I, you know, we play on Saturday at 11:30 against one of the top teams to move on, and we'll see what happens. It is double elimination, so even if they lose, but um, Ethan's ready. He's like, he, he's ready to go kick some butt. So um, it will be fun. And uh, I, I've enjoyed my one and only year of coaching. I, I, I definitely. I'm going to hang it up after this. Season. Oh, you're going to hang up the cleats? Yeah, I think one year is more than enough for me, man. You're going to hang up the cleats. Youth sports is it's, it's a funny thing to coach, man. It's, it's, not, it's not fun, man. It's just because you, you do get you do get, you get much more. When I coach youth football, I never thought I would be as invested as I was. And I, I was going to be invested kids themselves but you know the you know i you grow to just dislike people other especially other coaches like like you know because like the league that i was in it it was the commissioner also happened to be a coach and all that's that's the problem with our league um the commissioner has his own team yeah and then on top of it uh, one of the guys that's on the board has the other team. Well, take a guess who the two best teams are. Oh, now, we, we, we finished in second over the commissioner's team because we split the head-to-head and we had a better record. We um, we ended up with one more one less loss. But, I mean, there, it's no coincidence that these guys, they're able to see these kids come through their program for as, you know, the tenure. They get them to watch them for four seasons, basically. And they know who all the kids are. I just got lucky. I have a very good team, but I feel bad for, um, you know, two of the teams. I mean, their coaches are just, they're getting beat down. I mean, they're losing games, you know, 15 to 2, 20 to 1. I mean, their games aren't even competitive. That's because these guys have major advantages against them. And um, if it was me, and I, and I, listen, I'm not into the, hey, everybody deserves a trophy. But when you're talking about a league like this, there really shouldn't be that much of a disparity uh, between the winning teams and the losing teams. There really should not. It should not be where they like we were up 13 to one on this team the other day. I mean, I, 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 I mean, that's ridiculous, you know, um, at that level that, that that we're that much better than one of the other teams. You, know? you got any more, Corey? Uh, you know, uh, man, not much. I'm just uh. I'm exhausted, man. I had such a heavy April. I was covering so many, like, uh, I, for those, full disclosure, I, I covered the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey uh, organization here. They, like, had, like, 12 home games in April, which is a lot, which is, like, ridiculous. This is a home game every other day. So, a lot of time back and forth at the arena. Uh, but, yeah, I know what you're saying about youth sports. It was, uh, like I said, I had a football, and, like, the commissioner had a team, and, like, whole board of directors were his assistant coaches and all their kids played and like you know I, I I had a very good team that they didn't they didn't realize how good my team was at a lot of speed. I had kids that actually ended up doing things at like high school, like being very good high school players. And uh I like I said I, every time I played them like you know you get a million holding calls. I would get holding calls on everything and I, one game, I took the team off the field because the ref was just calling the game so poorly. And it's like, I could fight this ref or something. But I'm like, no. If you're not going to call a game properly, I'm not going to leave my team out here to deal with this, you know, with your BS. And like I said, on, on Saturday, we're going to try to take it out of the refs and I'm saying by jumping them early and, and yeah. basically, you know, eliminating any chance of the game being close. But 
you know, uh, I've not only have I been doing that, I've made the rounds, started to make the rounds in the college football, you know, the uh, high school spring uh, practices and the games will oh, be pretty yeah. soon. You know, I I got to see a lot of college coaches yesterday uh, from Oklahoma to West Virginia to, uh, I mean, Heritage had probably seven to 10 coaches out there practice and it's just starting to get heated up and you know how spring will end and we'll get into the summer camp thing. And then before you know it, we'll be heading into another college football season. Um, it's gonna, it, I do want to bring something up, but it, it will be, this will be the first year in 30 years that, you know, I have a good friend that passed away last week and, and uh, it will be tough because every Monday he would call me and basically ask me, Hey, who do you like? And who are some of the kids that are, coming up through the ranks for all these colleges. So it's going to be a little different uh, feeling this year with the college football season. Uh, it'll be, it, it definitely will have a different feel, but I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, everybody keeps complaining about the NIL and all this other stuff, and it's ruining college football. But you know as well as I do, when college football turns on that first game Labor Day weekend, everybody's going to forget about who has this or that everybody's going to start cheering for their teams and, and college yeah. football is going to have just as many fans or more than they ever had. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, definitely sorry about your loss, uh, with your friend Maury, and, uh, who I know, you know, you've talked, I've met him a few times and those a big, big Miami hurricanes fan. If I remember correctly, yeah, right. Big, big fan. Um, he liked the dolphins, but, didn't like that they stunk for so long. I mean, he did tell me, he goes, maybe I'll get to see them in a Super Bowl for, before they die. I pass away, but he won't have that op opportunity. But uh, watch them win this year. <laughs> now that that's yeah, happened. Watch them win through this year. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Melon, also, you know, rest in peace to Sam Bruce. Uh, yep. Unfortunately lost young man way too early, 24 years old. Uh one of my favorite players to cover, really. You know, you introduced him to me when he was, Scott, he was like 13 or something. And I still think one of the best slot receivers to ever come out of the state of Florida. I know he didn't deliver at the college level like we all thought it happens. I mean, some of the best players I ever saw in high school never worked out in college. He was one of them. Um, you know, he was 5'7", five, 5'8", five, but he was built like a tank. And uh, he, he put on a performance once U um, school was doing a spring scrimmage at the Dolphins facility in Davie inside the bubble. And Sam Bruce had about, there was probably anywhere between 50 and 60 colleges inside this bubble. And every one of them was blown away. I mean, he was making unbelievable catches. He stopped, start make, making guys miss unbelievable hands. He didn't drop anything. And he put on a show, and, and it's those moments you don't forget. I, that that was one of the best performances I ever saw at the high school level and said, man, this kid, there's no way he's going to not produce. And it didn't work out the way, you know, we all thought. And it's sad, but um, what's worse that he lost his life at such a young age because he had a, he had a lot to look forward in life. And uh, 23, 24, whatever he was, is just way too young to go. Yeah, I remember, like, I used to look at him as, like, Kim and I would always say, like, pound for pound, you know, the best player in the state when he played. And he reminded, you know, and in that sense, he was kind of like what we always thought of, like, with Duke Johnson. He was just, you know, wasn't the biggest, but, you know, was really, was just super competitive. And, and like, the type of kid that on the field, when the game mattered, when, it, when the game was in and when it was close, when things were getting tight, you wanted to make sure that he got the ball somehow because he could make he could he could take it to the finish line. And that's what I loved about Sam Bruce that I just felt like he was just that when 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 the game was on the line, when things counted, you know, he was a guy you could count on that could make the play you needed to win. He was a winner. And uh, you know, again, you know, rest in peace to him. Ah. Oh. Well, wow, wow, that's right. Spring practice, practice started like a week ago now. Like the games are going to be in two weeks. My goodness. Yep. Stuff goes by fast. We're getting old, buddy. Oh, yeah, man. 
this, this, is, this, is, this is a big one this year, man. So, but uh, I enjoyed another great podcast with you, and, and we need to absolutely jump on. We have to jump on some more. Um, and I know we're going to get. I, I've talked to a few guys about coaches coming on. I feel good about getting them on soon, and and uh, you know, I think the fans will enjoy. And I definitely think uh, we're we're moving on up, man. So uh, I look forward to what we we're going to bring this fall. So. Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, we'll come back soon with another fish cast. I promise. Sorry, I had you, had you guys. We had you guys waiting a little bit, but April was just hectic for both of us. But we'll be back uh, real soon with another fish cast. As always, thanks to our great producer Justin Otto, who it confer- he confirmed to me that he is a Cubs fan, but he said that if Grand Theft Auto had a team. That would by far be his favorite team in all of sports. So, yeah, I think we were both right. I, I'm surprised he's a Cubs fan. I would have swore he was a White Sox fan. Yeah, he said he's a Cubs. He's a Cubs guy. So okay, so we got we we, we solved we solved two mysteries there. One thing we, we we he's a Cubs guy, but he would choose Team Grand Theft Auto over all of them. So I gotta uh, try that game out one day. You know, so well, many people. I played. I played, I played a heck out of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Like I tell you, I bought it like a long time ago. It came out when it first. It was on, I didn't have a PlayStation Two. I had an Xbox. And then when it finally got released for the Xbox, like they released the first Grand Theft Auto Three, like the original one. They released Vice City, and I'm like, I said, play Vice City because Vice City was, you know, it was fun, and it was, you know, it was kind of like a Miami Vice sort of thing. So they had some cool music. And then, like, San Andreas came out. I remember you couldn't find it on the shelves because there was, like, this explicit little cutscene, So it got removed. But it was the one place I could find it was in Lakeland, Florida, at this independent uh, video game store in the mall. Like, I had one for 50 bucks, and I bought it. And I remember I opened it up, like, two days later, because I had about five days off of it for vacation from working at my newspaper. And I just played for those five days, and I just played the heck out. I love San Andreas. It's still probably my favorite game to play. Like, it's just, I, I have, like, the uh, like I have Rent of Thought of 4. I have Rent of Thought of 5. I barely play them. Like, give me San Andreas. I will play it all day. It's just, it's funny because it, take, it takes place basically in the, um, in the, in the form of like 1992 Los Angeles, like that, like the LA riots, like it kind of extends itself out to San Francisco and Vegas. And but it's the music is great. It's got all the music from that era. It's all of our favorite like rap stuff from that era. It, it's it's awesome, man. It's it's yeah. awesome. I'll check it out, man. I, yeah, you I just, got to. I just have to wait till my son's old enough. Yeah, yeah, he'll be old enough in like two years. Sadly, yeah. <laughs> he'll be he'll be ready. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you can catch us on Twitter uh, at the Fish Podcast, and you know, of course, you can listen to the Fish Cast on Apple Podcasts, Google, and uh, Podcast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find podcasts. And of course, thank you to our good friends at FNF Coaches for the opportunity to help us get distribution. And, uh, you know, and that's it until, until the next time, anything else, fish? No, nah, man, I, I feel good about, uh, this one. There's not much else for me to talk about right now. So. All right. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll, maybe we'll take, uh, coach Demo out of purgatory and bring him back on. This spring. Yeah, we need to get Demo spring. back on. I don't know where he's talk at. About the way he had, the way he used to evaluate this time of year during spring. Let's, yeah. uh, he, we, we, we woke him up. I think we had a text chain the other night, so he's still alive. Yeah. He's not he, I don't think he's doing any more rap. I don't think Drake has brought up into like a rap video this week or anything. Like he's not doing like he's not gonna make a cameo in a next Megan Stallion video or anything like that. Yeah. So you know, so as long as that's we'll bring him in. Alright, you should be good. Talk to you later, man. Have a good Thank evening. you guys. Bye.
Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.